0: we reading today from First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 13. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember, remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, We have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to see you. Thanks. It's good to be seen too. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it was all cloudy in the first service, and that was the mood. Now the sun's out. I'm thankful for that. Um, I needed some sunshine in my life today, and it came out in between in between the gatherings. Before we before we really get down to work, I just want to publicly acknowledge Alex Sartor and say thank you. Not that he's here to hear me say thank you. Uh, I have thanked him in person already. But Alex. Uh, preached for us last Sunday, if you remember. He's one of the pastors at KFC, Kadena Fellowship Church. And just a little tidbit for you. You know you all say it wrong when you say Kadena. Do you know it's actually pronounced? Thank you. There it is. That's, there's, that's the, uh, uh, yeah, Lisa nailed it. Kadena. It's basically Kadena. So every time, it's funny, every time Americans hear somebody pronounce it, that are like, that's, you're wrong. It's Kadena. But actually it is cadena so alex pastors cadena we'll just say that 20 more times this morning so it burns in Uh, cadena fellowship church kfc and uh i just really appreciate the work he did for us last week i I texted the pastoral team after he preached and i said hey uh man it was beautiful today with the liturgy and the sermon it felt like one of those sundays where truth and beauty if they could be personified walked hand in hand in our worship gatherings and i think that's what our father desires for us uh, every week. It's the beauty of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, uh, walking hand in hand. And I felt like Alex uh, served us that way. Uh, this week, we're returning the favor. Vince, one of our primary preaching pastors, is there right now. They also gather two times each, each Sunday morning, and so Vince is, is preaching there. Somebody this week asked, hey, you know what? We have a pretty big pastoral team and a lot of people that rotate through the preaching why would we have a guest speaker? We don't really need one. That's a great question. Um, I think there are several reasons. One that I would give is we want to consistently demonstrate that the church, the church is here in Okinawa. We're not competing families. We're collaborating families. We're not competing for market share of Christians. We really are working together as collaborating families um, to represent Jesus well and to engage with people on this island who don't yet know Him, the last thing that we want to do as churches is like have this posture that we're competing for market share of Christians as they PCS here, you know. And honestly, I, I think I could speak for all of my pastor friends on island. We would all be okay if, in the waves of PCS people, no new already Christians came to our churches. So that there would be more room, more capacity for us as a family to live on mission, to live missionally, pursuing people who don't yet know Jesus, so that the chairs we see here that are currently empty would be filled not by people who already know him, though we care for those people too, but imagine the beauty filled with people who are not yet in God's family, but during their PCS season here, come to know him and join his family. So we're not competing families, we're collaborating families. Plus, honestly, it's just a really cool story with Vince and Alex. Um, they went to high school together, and they both you heard them both say this last week. They were least likely to be pastors. In fact, I think their class took a poll, like most likely to be Judas, or um, most likely, here's a better one, most likely to be Peter at the fire and deny Jesus. Like, yep, Vince and Alex. But we all know what happened to Peter as Jesus changed his heart. He went from denying Jesus at a fire to being one of the rocks that Jesus is building his church on. And Alex and Vince both went from Jesus deniers to rocks that Jesus is building his church on. And it's beautiful. They're high school friends and now both pastoring in Okinawa. It's really beautiful. And so we wanted to share that moment last week. And now Vince is up at uh, KFC uh, this week. We're collaborating families, not competing families. Okay, with that 20-minute introduction, let's pray and uh, get right down to work. Father, uh, we just sang a song reminding us that Jesus is uh, everything that we need. And so we pray for, uh, for people in this room this morning who are in pain. We pray for those who are lonely and alone. We pray for those who are just getting by. We pray for those who are tapping out. Uh, We pray for those who are depressed. We pray for those who are overcome with anxiety. We pray for those who are a long way from family, Um, TDY, TAD here for a season. We just pray for those who are getting run over by the rhythms of Okinawa and beat into the ground. We pray for those who are spiritually empty and searching, and we pray for those who are full and proud. Jesus, we pray that in these moments, you would be exactly what each person in this room needs. Rescuer, comforter, friend, rest, peace, joy. Please give us the humility of heart to receive, to look to you and to receive. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. So we press on in our series in 1 Thessalonians And what I want to do as we press on is actually, it's been a couple weeks since I've preached, I want to point you to my last big idea from the last passage that I preached because this morning, the passage this morning is kind of a part two to that sermon. Not because I want it to be, but because it really is. So a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago when I preached, uh, the big idea from the passage was simply, though much church culture may be broken, right? Gospel fake. Ours can be beautiful, gospel family. If you've been in the church for any length of time, if you grew up in a church or religious context, it's likely that you have been in churches where something was off about the culture. Maybe the truth of the gospel wasn't present, or maybe the truth was there, but there was no beauty along with it, no gentleness, no kindness, right? Um, Many of us have experienced brokenness in the culture of Jesus' church. So we want to acknowledge that. There, There is a lot of gospel fake, and We want to acknowledge that if left to our own devices, with our rebel tendencies, we bend back in that direction, right? We can never like settle and be like, oh man, we got a really healthy family here. Like the moment we begin to rest in that is the moment we are already drifting back or have drifted back, right? So we want to see beautiful gospel family, which is the fruit of the gospel going to work in our hearts. So that was a couple weeks ago, and here's what I think I want us to consider in the passage this morning, closely related. It goes like this, the road from gospel fake to gospel family. So we've contrasted, now we want to explore how we get from one to the other. The road from broken to beautiful is paved with these three essential elements, your faith, my feelings, I hate when John preaches, he's always talking about Feelings, your faith, my feelings, and our face-to-face time. Now, in parentheses, I had written this before Alex preached for us last week. I had it ready to go. Highly unusual for me. And Alex preached. I'm like, man, one of the images that you used in your sermon fits so beautifully. And if you remember, if you were here, do you remember as he talked about as a child, he would go on the roof of his grandparents' home and scraped the moss. Do you remember his moss story? He basically described a chia pet growing on his (laughs) grandparents' house. And they would treat him as pets, right? They would use him as pets. So when the rest of you had pet rocks, um, for the 10 of you that are old enough to remember that season, Alex had pet moss, right? And uh, his whole point was what he was doing was contrasting beautiful gospel culture, and he displayed it as this life-giving forest where there are shade trees, And there's just life, there's protection, there's shelter, there's shade, there's fruit, contrasted with a gospel fakeness, which moss is a fitting metaphor, no roots, doesn't sink down deep, it's easily scraped off or blown away, nobody can take shelter under moss, it's not life-giving, right? And so he's contrasting, he said, don't be the moss, be a forest of trees. So this works really well for us, gospel fake, broken, would be the field of moss, and the pathway that we see in the text this morning will help us see how, as a family, we can move daily from gospel fake, from the fields of moss, no shelter, no life, no beauty, to a, f- a forest of trees where there is life, shade, shelter for everyone who needs it. And let's just acknowledge at the top, too, um, like we already kind of said, we bend towards being fields of moss. Like with our rebel tendencies and in this broken world, apart from God's work in our lives and our submission to Jesus, that's where we go. So this isn't a road that we walk one time. This is a daily road that we walk with each other um, daily, daily walking out of fields of moss, daily walking into forests of trees for God's fame and for each other's good. Does that work? Does it make sense? We got it all framed up good. I can start over. Okay, good. So here's the outline for you. For those of you who like to take notes with outlines, uh, number one, your faith in Jesus matters to me. We'll see that in verses six to eight. uh, If you guys want to move the slide forward one. And just for the skeptics among you who be like, where where does John come up with these things? Is it it even in the text? I know the verses aren't on the screen for you yet, but if you're open to 1 Thessalonians chapter three, in verse six, you see the two words, uh, the good news of what? Your faith, okay, so there's point number one. Point number two, you're like, John, I don't know. Feelings, my feelings, my feelings for you are favorable. Where do I see that? Verse nine, what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we, what now? Feel. Nobody said it. Embrace this, guys. God the Father is giving me permission to talk about your feelings with you this morning, okay? Your feelings. It's one of the essential pieces on that path uh, from field of moss to forest of trees okay my feelings for you are favorable and number three a life that says our face-to-face time is a priority uh, we see that in verse 10 we see a prayer that Paul prays and he says uh, night and day that we may see you what face-to-face baby personal contact right time together so your faith in Jesus matters to me my feelings for you are favorable And our face-to-face time is a priority. Okay, so let's begin with your faith in Jesus matters to me. Like, in this family, what we're aspiring to is I take a personal interest in your faith in Jesus, and I care deeply, almost, I mean, can we say almost more than I care about my own faith in Jesus, that yours is deeply rooted and growing and life-giving, Verse six. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, remember, Alex said, uh, Paul had spent a couple weeks in Thessalonica. He started, or the word we like to use is planted, planted that church. Had about a month with them, and then he was forced on because of persecution. He knew they were suffering. He couldn't get back to them, and so he sends Timothy as a messenger. Like, yo, man, they, they these people in Thessalonica, they, the gospel is causing them to leave, live so counter to the culture that they are facing ridicule, uh, social media scorn. Uh, They didn't have social media yet, but you know, like publicly scorned. Their reputations were being slandered. They were losing jobs. They were losing homes. Um, Some of them were being physically abused because of their faith in Jesus. And so Paul sends Timothy. Timothy has come back. He brings what we see as good news. Good news of what? Your faith, their faith. So they were suffering hardcore, but in the suffering, their faith was deep. They were good. Their faith and their love and reported, and here's more good news. Uh, Timothy says that you always remember us kindly. We'll get to that in a little bit. You long to see us as we long to see you. And so he says in verse seven, for this reason, brothers, what reason? Uh, 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 that your faith is enduring in a, in a horrible life. That your faith is enduring. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and all our affliction, we have been comforted about you through what? Your faith. Not our faith, your faith. And now, look at this. This is hyperbole here. Paul's making a powerful point about his emotions in verse 8. What's he say? Now we live. Now I feel alive. Now I'm okay. Knowing that you are standing fast, that would be synonymous with faith in the lord now i live for you are standing fast in the lord um we know that feeling if we kind of isolate that down to now i live we've said that about things right normally as it pertains to us like we're really suffering hard we're going through something that we don't like and our circumstances change and we can take a deep breath your first day off whatever and you're like okay Now I'm alive, I can breathe, I can rest, the anxiety's lifted. Like I had one of those moments this week, I had an important meeting um, in the States and the meeting happened and I didn't know the results and I don't wait well for outcomes. I'm very impatient, I was very anxious. And I remember going home, it's the only thing I could think about. I could not think about anything else. I finally fell asleep, what did I dream about? That thing. And then I would wake up and what was I thinking about when I woke up? that thing. And I broke all the rules. It's, I broke my own rule. My phone was next to me. My phone and computer are supposed to be away from my bed, right? So what did I do? I reached down and checked my email for the thing, right? And when I woke up in the morning, what's the first thing that I wanted to know? The thing. And funnily enough, I had, in my sleepiness, I didn't see the email that had come through, like, at midnight, the night before. I would have seen it and I would have slept. And basically the email was suggesting, good, everything's good, good outcome. And in that moment when I received that email, physically I could feel a weight lifted off my shoulders and be like, I'm alive again, my heart's beating, I'm breathing, I'm at rest, I'm okay. I'm not proud of that. It shows an incredible inability to rest in God's kindness uh, and his sovereignty in my life and his goodness. Um but in all my brokenness, there I was. That's, that's how I was. But I could live again. Notice the crazy thing about this text. Their suffering, their circumstances don't change. So Paul's not saying, okay, I live again because your life's easy again. He's also, he's also suffering. He doesn't say, I know you're suffering and that sucks. I was suffering too, and I'm not suffering anymore. So I, I'm alive again. And I hope you guys feel this way soon. This is the beauty of the gospel. It rips us away from our tendency to live self-focused, self-centered, self-absorbed lives, which is all, those are all rebel tendencies, and reorients our hearts according to the Father's heart, which is others-oriented. And so now what did he say? He's like, in your suffering, to see that your faith is enduring through a horrific season makes me feel alive even in my own suffering. That's Beautiful. Let's think about that for a moment, guys. Our church family is full of people who suffer. It always is because life is broken. We live in a a rebel world, cursed with sin. And so suffering abounds all the time. Think about how life-giving and beautiful it is if there were to be a family of people who see you in your suffering the same way God the Father sees you in your suffering and speaks life-giving words like these to just come alongside you and say you know i know you're in a really horrible season but i also see that in this season you're just you're trusting god and you are staying a- and i just need you to know that in the in the difficulties of my own life you're giving me life by the way you follow jesus through your suffering that's incredible how beautiful is that? So, let me just, right at the top, let me ask you this question. Um, who in your life, over the last month or two, from this family, or if you're new to our family, other Christians in your life, who has come to you for the sole purpose of saying to you, I see you, I see your hardship, I see your suffering, but I see your faith in Jesus, and it's anchored, and I just need you to know it's so life giving to me that even in my difficult season right now, I feel alive just because of the way that you're living and following Jesus through your suffering. Just take a, take, a, take a second and write the name down of that person. All right, now that you have your five names written down, um, just in all gentleness, let's say, uh, let's say this, okay, because this sermon's gonna be all about some honesty about family culture the inability for us to write names down, like a a list of names, a short list, but three or four, one, the inability um, to write names down to that question would be a symptom, symptomatic of us thinking we are a forest of trees when in reality we're a field of moss. I mean, we just got to be honest. But Uh, We need one more piece of honesty. I want to submit to you that I asked you that question in the order that our culture has trained us to ask that question, because I asked about you first, and the gospel retrains us. It kicks the horrible cultural training wheels off of our little bikes that we ride through life and reorients us to be God-centered people, God first. And in our God-centeredness, we have an increasing others-centeredness, right? You first, then me. And so let's just acknowledge we actually asked that question in the order the culture wants us to ask it about church life. Now let's ask it the way the gospel would have us ask the question. Take 10 seconds and write down the names of people that you have pursued over the last month, two months, three months. To say to them, to look them in the eye and say, I see your suffering, I see your pain. Um, It saddens me that you're in a difficult season, but I also see your faith in Jesus. And it's really life-giving to me. It makes me feel alive to see you walking through this valley, but still like trusting that Jesus is still actually kind and still actually good and with you. He didn't abandon you in your suffering. Um, Okay, so you can write those. I'll give you a second or two to write those names down. And guys, when we struggle to write names down, it's a symptom that though we perceive of ourselves as one of the trees that's part of a grove that's giving life, shaped by the gospel, it's more likely that we are living like we are in a field of moss and not giving shade uh, to others in the forest, right? It's a symptom of that gospel deficiency, if we're being honest. Um, I've had a couple guys in the life of our church family just over the last month, specifically, I'm not going to name them by name, but um, who lived this out for my good. And one of them is a guy who's known me for a really long time and had been watching me as he does and just came up to me, looked me in the eyes one week and said, actually did this a number of times over the span of 10 days or so. He said, John, I want you to know I'm, I'm really concerned about you. Like, I'm, I'm really concerned about you and your heart. Um, Let's let's get coffee and talk. And we did. Um, And he was right to be concerned. And I'm telling you, in that one conversation with that, just that one sentence, what did that communicate to me? It communicated that I had a brother in this family who was watching me closely enough that he knew something about me. And had concern over it. And that in the way he was talking to me, it wasn't in judgment. It wasn't to push me out. It was to pull me in and to share his concern for me and to communicate his love. And that's what he did. About a week later, another friend, a guy who's in my missional community, uh, texted me. He said, John, let's meet for burgers this week. I have some questions that I want to ask you. I'm like, oh. It's always a dangerous thing when people say to the pat, I got questions for you. But I met him at this burger place, a place I hadn't eaten at in all seven years I've lived here, um, Uh, We went upstairs, he ordered, I ordered my veggie burger, and then he questioned his friendship with me and (laughs) said I was going to pay for you, but not now. Um, Anyway, I I still got my veggie burger, burger, and he still paid. But then we sit down, and he asks me some of the most thought-provoking questions about my heart as a pastor who's getting ready to transition with his family to the States, and asking me, like, what's your plan for making sure your heart stays in a healthy place while you move. Nobody had had asked me that question or the questions that would follow. And to be honest with you, I didn't even really have good answers for most of his questions. But you know what I was incredibly moved by? This guy, the questions were so thoughtful that it, it, it demonstrated he had to have sat down and thought ahead of time what he would ask, made his list of questions, and then met with me and asked me the kinds of questions that people who really care about each other ask. It was beautiful. That's God's heart for us as a family. A family that would look at each other and say, your faith in Jesus really matters to me. And then we pursue each other like it does. I uh, recently watched a movie with Linnea, um, and I'm gonna ruin it for you now. Uh, Devotion, have any of you watched Devotion? What platform is that on? We don't know. Watch Devotion. Sounds like a cheesy Christian movie because of the title, but it's not. Devotion. It's about a pilot, Jesse Brown. Uh, It's a beautiful, it's a sad, it's it's an amazing story. It's a true story, true to life. Um, So here's the spoiler. Plug your ears if you don't want it. Spoiled. Uh, They're on a close air support mission in Korea, Korean war. Uh, He's shot down. Uh, Yes, he's, He's able to kind of land his plane, but uh, really messes it up. He's, he's not moving. Uh, the enemy is very close by, and so his friend, Tommy, uh, the guy who was leading the mission, uh, radios to the other guys, like, I'm putting my plane down too. I'm going to go down and be with him. Why? He didn't know how he was. He wasn't conscious, so he wasn't responding. He wanted to be near him in his pain. But he put his plane down because they knew that enemy forces were very close and would be there within the hour or two. And so what does he do? He Circles around, lands his plane in a way that it will never take off again, just to be with his friend Jesse. Gets out of his plane, runs over to his buddy's plane, and I won't, you can watch the rest and see where it goes from there. You're welcome. Guys, that's what he's talking about. It's the kind of family culture that when we have brothers or sisters go down, We purposefully circle back at cost to ourselves, and we land knowing it's going to hurt, and we might, but we go, and we go to each other in the pain, and we say, I'm concerned about you, and I love you, and I'm going to be with you in that season. That's beautiful, and that's what our dad wants us for, uh, for us as a family. That's gospel family as opposed to gospel fake And so again, I just want to ask you, like, I know you've had friends go down. I know there are people, we know there are people in our family whose planes have wrecked over the last month or two. We know this. Marriage, struggles, loneliness, anxiety, sexual, um, just all the stuff that comes in our sexually broken culture, all the woundedness, the addictions, the substance abuse, the loneliness, the marriage struggles. We got planes down all over the place. And for those of you who are enjoying a season of life where you're flying without turbulence, who have you seen lately that you have been willing to turn back around and bring your plane down for? That's the question that Paul is leading us to consider. That's the question that a gospel family, not a gospel fake church would ask. So your faith matters to me. Secondly, all right, none of that was about your feelings. Now let's talk about feelings. In verse, the second half of verse 6 and then verse 9, uh, he says, um, you know, it was reported to us that you, okay, now pay attention to these words because we're going to have another little quiz. You always remember us with kindness, okay? So this is Paul writing to a, like, an entire church, not just the people he likes, right? So everybody, and he's, he's saying, I, we hear that you all, you remember us kindly and you long to see us. That longing, that's the word that you reserve for people you really want to see. You long to see us just as we long to see you. Then in verse 9, man, what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? Like there are not enough words to say thank you for all the joy that we, what? We feel about you. We feel for your sake before our God. All right, so we have, we have, let's do this. We have a couple categories, thinking of each other. And when we think of each other, like the people in so let's do this, okay? The people around us, the thoughts that come to our mind are kind thoughts. <laughs> it's going to get harder, that's, but that's the starting point, right? So kind thoughts, and then, okay, and then now we think of each other in this room, and that thinking is accompanied with a deep desire to see each other right? That's in verse 9. Then if we go to 10, or I'm sorry, that was 6, now to verse 9. There is a posture of, man, when I think of you, I just say thankful words to God. I'm so glad you're in our family. I just, when I think of you, I think thankful thoughts, and I say them to God. And then he's talking about this joy that we feel for you. So when we think of each other, When your face comes into my mind, I have joy. So they're exchanging these words. Let me ask you a question. If you were TDY, TAD right now, could you in good conscience with full integrity uh, email me or one of the other pastors on our team like, hey, I know this is unusual, but next time, next service, could could I just write a paragraph? I just want to tell the family how much I miss them and how much I love each of them. Could you read it for me? Before your sermon, if that was you, could you say all these things truthfully about every person in our family? Because I can't. And as one of your pastors, I just need to say that. Because somebody has to set the bar for our family to be an honest family, to acknowledge that none of us are inclined that way. And this is kind of Christianity 101, It's the acknowledgement that God adopts us into this family and calls us to a certain way of life that in our rebellion is like not only not natural to us, but like usually the opposite of what we want to do. And this is one of those things. So we got to be able to be honest about our feelings, right? Like you've been in the exchange and seen somebody from afar. You turn the corner on an aisle and then you just kind of (laughs) like... That's not the aisle I wanted. You play it off like it's this innocent mistake and your kids are like, what are you doing? And then you lie to your kids. (laughs) They're like, the deodorant's five aisles down when it is right back there, but so is John. Or, you know, fill in the blank. We laugh because it's true. Yeah. So what do we do with this? If the road from gospel fake and field of moss where there's no life to... Forest of trees, gospel family, is paved with my favorable feelings for you. What do we do? Uh, I thought of a really good, like, if I needed the embodiment of my emotional life in an animal, uh, I found it. I was watching The Mandalorian season three. Uh, This is not from season three, but it just reminded me with my son, Johnny. And uh, this creature, what's the name of this creature? Thank you. All right. Blurg. Uh, My emotions are a blurg. Uh, If you remember when he first meets the blurg, what does the blurg try to do to him? Eat him, he bites him. He's got like his his entire arm in the blurg's mouth. And oh boy, I forget the other character. The other character rides up, rescues him, and then breaks the news to him. He's like, look, if you're gonna accomplish your mission on this planet, uh, not only do you have to learn how not to be eaten by this thing, you have to learn how to rule over it and ride it to your destination. I think that's a very fitting metaphor for our emotions as followers of Jesus. God gave us our emotions. They're good, not bad. They're a gift, not a curse. But with all of our rebel tendencies, our emotions become blurg-like, where they're supposed to be a blessing. It like, becomes a curse, right? And so here's the gospel principle at play. My emotions will eat me alive and will chase me out of the forest of trees every day and cause me to run back to the field of moss. The only alternative is to rule over the thing that would ruin me, and so rather than being bitten by its mouth, the gospel trains me to put a bit in its mouth, so rather than being ruined, I can ride this thing, these things, my emotions, to the good place that God wants me to go with you into this forest of trees. So my father then invites me to sit down and confess to him, God, I know that you want me to feel this kind of way towards other members in your family. But right now, um, for George, this is just role play right now, guys. Okay, This is not like John's therapy in a sermon. Uh, God, when George's face pops into my mind, I don't have thankful thoughts. When George's face pops into my mind, I don't have joyful thoughts. I, I don't pray That, like, Sunday's enough, God. Like, I'm glad our Sunday kind of only, our family gathers once a week. That seems healthy. Like, uh, any more than one day a week with George might be a little bit too much. Um, The Father is calling us to this confession. This is how we put a bit in the mouth of our feelings and to acknowledge I actually can't do what you want me to do to love the people that you love the way that you would have me to love them on my own. My heart doesn't want it. So I need the spirit to change my heart, lead me to love them so that I can in sincerity say, I got favorable feelings towards you. Uh, There's a season of my life that I deeply regret. I'm the second born, lots of kids. I just want to tell you a quick story about the third born. It goes Daniel, then two years, then me, then three years, then Ben. And there was a season of life, late 80s, early 90s, where tube socks were in style. They were the gray socks that came up to your knees and they had tricolored stripes. Do you guys, those of you over 35, remember that? Okay, Google it later. I'm sure it's there somewhere. Thanks, Keon. Uh It's... <laughs> Uh, So couple that with this stream of entertainment that my family was in. So for us as boys back then, 80s, 90s, it was like the wonderful world of Disney, but like anything pioneering, anything 1700s, 1800s, 1600s, where like every boy seemed to be dressed in like knee length pants and then stockings, which we always found a little weird, but stockings. So my brother interpreted that to mean tall socks, tuck the pant legs into the socks, like this is how we dress. So we'd go to church in our Chevy Astro van, And we would hear him in the back tucking his pants into his socks. The doors would open, door, one door to that van. We'd pile out. My brothers and I would look for, we would wait, see which way Ben was going. And then we would choose the entrance entrance furthest away from Ben so that we wouldn't be publicly associated with our brother. (laughs) There are a lot of painful seasons in my brother Ben's life. What I didn't know until my adulthood was how painful even that was to my brother Ben. Um, And so I am one of the responsible parties for some of the woundedness that's in my brother's heart Um, because the little things that we chuckle at now and that's okay, but little things like that that really aren't that little. That's the blurg. That's my emotions ruling me instead of me ruling my emotions. That was me caring more about myself than caring about the long-term well-being of my brother's heart. Granted, maybe my inability to see it as a kid, but that's fitting for us too. Sometimes we just don't see it in our immaturity. Uh, I I do have this picture. Just to show you, Ben and I are friends. There has been reconciliation. Uh, He did not wear tube socks to this meal. This was a couple weeks ago in Louisville. Uh, My sister lost a bet to me, so she paid for the meal. And uh, there's my brother, Ben, who I love uh, very, very much. Um, That's good. You can you can slip off of that. So let me just let's push on us a little bit tube socks Nobody in here is wearing tricolored tube socks that I have seen But you know we still view people the same way just we grow up and tricolored tube socks become Some other oddity some other quirk some other thing that we think or we assume about people So since we're making lists today very personal private list probably What's your tube sock list like who are the people in the family? that you just kind of have categorized in your heart as the people you're not going to share an entrance with, you're embarrassed by, you don't really care that deeply for. You just you want to walk away. You're not going to walk towards. I have a list of names. I'm going to read some of them for you out loud. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Did it in the first service. Didn't go well. <laughs> But guys, I, like, I just want to be as honest as you as I can. My emotions are so finicky and fickle. Like, there are days I feel generally favorably towards most of you, but there are a lot of days where I couldn't in good conscience say to very many of you, some of you in particular, that I have favorable feelings towards you right now. But guys, like, the point of the gospel is that's not Okay. It's okay for us to feel that way insofar as we acknowledge, repent, and reorient the gospel. Not okay. Think of it this way. In God's family, you check your daisy at the door, right? So we all know we're adopted in. God the Father has a big house. Uh, So just imagine a long line of orphan kids, rebels, being adopted into the Father's house, and in every one of our hands, we have a daisy. Because what do you do with a daisy? You could. You go, she loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. That's how we approach church and almost every other relationship in life. And in those days where we pulled it off or where the flower ends with, love you not, deuces, I'm gone. I need a different church, new church, new relationship. Out of here. Do you know what God the Father does with our daisies at the door? He rips them out of our hands and he throws them in the trash can because daisies don't belong in our Father's house. When God the Father adopted us in, he said, you're my forever kid and I love you very much. And my feelings for you will never change because they're deeply rooted in Jesus and what he has done for you. So I just want you to see these ideas are not just nice ideas to think about. Like they're deeply rooted in the gospel. This is our father's posture towards us. At all times, in all places, no matter how bad our day has been, how deep our failures are, the father looks at you and says, man, I'm so glad you're my kid and I love you so much. And I walk towards you, not away from you. And so then that becomes the culture of our family. God the Father rips the daisies out of our hand. We don't play that game anymore. We are all in with people that we will have to work at loving well. And we're going to have some real conversations with God the Father to say, nope, George and I, mm -mm, it's not there. You're going to have to do something. I mean, if we believe in the God who recreates and reworks and the spirit who is present, like that's what we do, right? That's what it looks like to be a forest of trees, not a field of moss, to walk that pathway every day. Uh, I got to put, put a bit in the mouth. All right, we got one more um, face-to-face time. This is what we prioritize. Check this out. This is verses 10 to 13. This is beautiful. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you, or we may see you face-to-face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, look at that motive. It sounds a little condescending, it's not, it's not meant to be condescending at all. Again, it's just the healthy acknowledgement of a mature family. What it is basically acknowledging, I don't follow Jesus well on my own. And I have real deficiencies in my life that I need other people. I, I need you, I need you and you need me. And so if this is our posture towards each other, our understanding, just like all the way back in Genesis, when God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Like that's a general statement of humanity, not just a statement about marriage. Like it's not good for us to be alone. And so the posture of the heart for a healthy family is, man, I want to be with you so that I can encourage you and point you to Jesus face-to-face. Supply what is lacking in your faith. And here's his prayer. Um, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Wow, look at that in verse 12. That's what we do when we are healthy enough to acknowledge we don't love each other well, Right? normally when we don't, when we don't see it, we want to leave it. But what if instead, when we don't see it, we pray it, we pray for it. And in the absence of seeing it, we're like, I'm going to be it. Even if nobody else, even if it feels like nobody else is walking the path from field of moss to forest of trees, I'm walking it today. I will walk it. And I will pray this for my own heart that I will love people well. And I'm going to pray it for your heart too, because I deeply long for this in our family. May the Lord make you increase. Like, pray this for me. God, our pastor is horrible. He just publicly admitted that he doesn't even really like half the people seated in this room. <laughs> Fix him. Or you'd be like, God, thank you that John's leaving soon. Like, Vince loves us. Like, he loves all of us the way Jesus wants us to be loved. Make him, like, make, him, make him love us. Make him, make him grow in this way. So that he may establish your heart's blameless and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Uh, Speaking of Vince, man, we had a few pieces of our service changed today. So I told Grant, I'm like, dude, if I preach like a 33 minute sermon, we're going to finish with like a half hour left and nobody's going to know what to do. Vince texts right back. He's like, dude, if anybody can turn a 33 minute sermon into like a 45, 55 minute sermon, it's you, John, you'll be fine. (laughs) So I'm making it come true right now. But uh, we're working to bring this thing to an end. I just want to say, because this can feel weighty and can maybe even, maybe some of you feel like, man, John's really coming after us as a family today. Uh, And I I don't want you to feel that way because I actually believe the opposite is true. I I believe this family has a deep desire to daily move from our default of field of moss to forest of trees. And I see evidences of it all the time. Not perfectly perfectly. And maybe some of you haven't experienced that yet. And maybe some of you who are new have actually experienced the opposite. Like, uh, I see a lot of field of moss around here. And so again, just in the interest of honesty, this is me saying, you, you probably have. And I'm really sorry that has been your experience. We want to aspire to what our Father wants for us. And we would invite you to work with us. Like, help us walk that pathway. We, what is broken can be beautiful, right? But I, but I, want, I want you to know that I see a family full of people who daily get after it. Daily communicating to others, your faith in Jesus matters more than my own. Daily communicating, um, man, I see you, and I I have favorable, we don't talk that way, but I I love you, I'm concerned about you. I'll put my plane down next to you. And daily, I see people who are prioritizing face-to-face time with the motive of, I want to be in your life more than just on Sunday for your good. It's not about me. I'm in it with your tube socks for your good. I will walk towards you, not away from you. I see it. And let me just show you in closing, uh, two snippets came to mind this week. One's in Ecclesiastes. It'll be on the screen for You You don't have to turn there. Ecclesiastes four, if you want to turn there. Listen to this, because this is what I see in you guys. The author says two people are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. I see a family that believes two are better than one. I see a family that believes it's not good to be alone. I see a family that believes that says, we won't let you be alone. We will pursue you. Verse 10, for if they fall, notice that word fall. Remember that one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who's alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. And again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Let's call that freezing. So we have falling and freezing. Verse 12 says, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So we have falling, we have freezing, and we have fighting. Guys, that's life. We again interest in the spirit of honesty, we fall down all the time. I fall down all the time. I'm tempted. My heart is weak. I disbelieve God's goodness, His kindness. I fall all the time. I don't love you well. I fall. Um, I freeze all the time, meaning when I am wounded, when I'm hurting, or when I'm tempted and I fail, I am frozen by guilt and shame. I freeze all the time, alone, and fight. We all fight. We're all in fights, fights that we can't see. Everybody in this room is fighting a battle spiritually, emotionally, mentally, all fighting, right? Right? But I see a family that believes it's not good for somebody to be alone. And so I see you, I see you choosing. When people fall, we go to where they're fallen and we sit with them and we help them come home. When people are freezing, we go warm them up. We care. And I see you, when people are fighting, you step into the fight for their good. Uh, I really have to wrap it up, but I really want you to see this because this is how I think of you as a family. This, Mark chapter two, verse one. I'm just going to read a few verses, uh, very short. But this is this is, I see you guys daily moving from field of moss to forest of trees. Mark chapter two, verse one. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Jesus was there, and as often did many were gathered together. Right, people just swarmed the house. There was no more room not even at the door. And Jesus was preaching to them. And they came, they came bringing to him, what? A paralytic. You know how we get paralyzed? This is a story about a real paralyzed man, but let's just run with the idea. We are paralyzed when we fall down and we're alone. The falling turns into paralysis. We are paralyzed when our hearts grow cold in pain or shame and we're alone. The freezing turns into paralysis When we're in a fight alone and we get our face punched in, we fall down and we're all losing a fight turns into paralysis. But what's this family do? They came bringing to Jesus a paralytic, four men. And uh, this is you guys right here, verse four. When they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, they ripped the roof off the house. That's you. We got a room full of roof rippers in here, bloody knuckled, bloody palms, Because you carry the weight of these ropes when members of our family are in a paralyzed season. And look at this one thing right here. They removed the roof when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Verse 5 And when Jesus saw what? Their faith. The text doesn't say, but I got to believe for this paralyzed man, there wasn't a lot of faith left. And if that's the case, I feel really good about that because when I'm paralyzed, I have so little faith in Jesus. I doubt he's good, doubt he's kind. You know what brings me back to life? The four of you in this room, and there are more than that, that I know will come to me when I am fallen, fighting, or frozen, paralyzed. You put me on a bed, you pick up the ropes, your palms are bloody, you rip off the roof, your knuckles are bloody, and you lower, you get me as close to Jesus as possible because your faith brings me back to life that's you. I see that. And um, I'm just going to keep saying the words and I'm closing because it'll make it true. Where's my phone? I had asked just one or two people in the family this week. Uh, I said, hey, who do you think of when you think of this? And I, I, now I just want to reiterate, I only asked a very small, very small group of people. So not everybody's name will be read, but it kind of represents a couple social circles, if you will, in the family. I could have asked 20 people. And if I had, I'd be reading all of your names right now. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to read all your names right now. Um, I should have put these in my brain. I'm sorry. I have to read them off a note. Okay. Just so in no particular order, Ashley Baker crushes it in hospitality. Ashley Baker owns this place like it's her home, like in a good way. She believes this. And it's her mission to make everyone else feel the same way. This is your home, Ashley Baker. Uh, Case, punter, Keith Schmidt, Josh Emmerich, Pursuing dudes, but in particular, next door, serving our family incredibly in beautiful ways with the kids. Guys, men, it's so beautiful when you humble yourself and go next door and serve the kids, believing that's not women's work, that's our work, that's everybody's work. So life giving. Josh and Angelica Hammond's always pursuing people. Jonathan and Naoka Lowen, always listening and praying. And let me just, I'm gonna read a list of ladies' names and make a comment that this, this person commented. Jessica Bowers, Angelica Hammond, Joy Lamoureux, Sherry Engelman, Elise Miller, Amy D'Souza, Megan Stahl, Brianna Lockman, Kendall Good, Darby, Pospisil, Chelsea Emmerich, Nicola Les, Naoko Lowen, Heather Davis. All of these women show up for the people in their lives. Bloody Knuckles. Pray for them. Cheer on their answered prayers and work to serve them however they can. Obviously, I could name others. She said also she could name elders wives. That was my run rule. Nobody's allowed. This is not we're not like spotlighting people who are uh, in leadership positions in our family. Uh, she said, I can name all of these, but these women I named serve people with so much beautiful intention. Personally, I want to point out Jaden Jacobs. That's my guy right there. He's not here this morning because he's on vacation at WTI in the deserts of Arizona. Uh, Jaden, though there's 20 years between us, he seeks me out every Sunday. He's here and he gives me a hug, a handshake. He looks me in the eye and he asks me about my week and how I'm doing. I love that guy. He's a good brother to me. Uh, Jacob Nally, I don't think Jacob's in here. Uh, Jacob, Jacob's wife is the active duty member in their relationship, and we have several men in our family whose wives are the active duty member. Jacob cares deeply about these guys, and we're working together to form this fight club. Uh, he's already affectionately named it Dependabros, and so we're gonna we're gonna run with that. But look, Jacob's Dependabros mission, guys. That is a real life example of. I will walk it. I will daily walk from field of moss to forest of trees, and I will take other guys with me. I see you. I love you. I have favorable feelings for you. Your faith matters to me, and I will prioritize face-to-face time because that is exactly what the Father has done for me through Jesus. All right, let's put a bit in my mouth. Let's pray. Father, a lot here. We just want to confess as a family, lots of imperfections. We fall short. We want all of this. We want this. So Father, for those in this room who have not yet experienced it, we repent of that. That's our responsibility. Father, make us increasingly a forest of trees, not a field of moss. Spirit, please do in our hearts what we can't do on our own. We want to care about each other's faith. We want to be able to look each other in the eye and express favorable feelings. And we want to prioritize this kind of face-to-face time. Father, please make it true for your fame and for the good of the people in Okinawa. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.